And that was him with I'm Coming Out. That was great to hear, buddy. All right, uh, so next up on the sheet for karaoke night, we have uh, Mojo Jojo. <laughs> All righty. And uh, you have a little number here. I'll let you introduce it. Thank you, narrator. Uh, everybody, silence, because you do not know the words, because I haven't sang this song before, because it's the first time that I've sung this song. Hit it. I can rule the world, Jojo, just follow me. I will break the rules now, flee from me. The Powerpuff Girls aren't the enemies. This is who I am, just submit to me. I'm the king, Jojo, no one defeats me. This is who I am, worms, just bow to me. Sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction. Chemical X. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! Using their ultra superpowers, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil! The day is saved. <laughs> the day is fabulous, guys. Huzzah! <laughs> you warned me that it was going to be very dumb. But I don't. Think but I don't think you realize how dumb. I it just was. wasn't prepared for that specifically. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. <laughs> you took my love of JJ. <laughs> you just. I, we, everybody loves JJ. Just boundless confidence. Excellent commitment to the voice too. You you kept it throughout. <laughs> it's it's not hard to do the voice because it like almost every aspect of this show is 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 purposefully amateurish. Uh-huh. Uh and that's not a bad thing even though it might sound like that at the at the set. But uh, all the pieces work together, and uh, amateurish in the best sense, where it's like a passion project, where people use the limited tools to do everything they could. I, I kind of thought of it more as like kids next door two by four technology, mm -hmm. where they're like, "It's cool because we're using you know whatever <laughs> hand me downs dad had left over after his like boat project." Yeah, it, yeah. It's cool because we're making something work out of very meager means. Sure. Even though I'm sure they had more. You know, I, I'm I'm sure that the creators had more to work with than the way this looks would uh would 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 give the impression. Let's let's start talking about it. Um, hello everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane, and this is the show where we review old cartoons to see what we think about them as adults. And Zane, the podcast of Cartoonsville. Yeah, why not? Well, we're, we're talking about the Powerpuff Girls, yeah. the original series, because. Why would we? Zane? <laughs> yeah, there there were some... There's some iterations. There were some other iterations that I could stand watching for about two minutes each before I dipped out. <laughs> oh, you didn't get the good one then. Uh, but let's talk about it. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the, the Powerpuff Girls... Give us the Girls, production history. The Powerpuff Girls ran uh, from 1998 to 2004 on Cartoon Network. They were created by Craig McCracken, who initially made a cartoon short called The Whoop-Ass Girls for a student project, and then was like... This isn't marketable to children. <laughs> let's let's uh, alter this up. Initially, the Powerpuff Girls were made sugar spice, everything nice, and a can of whoop ass. 
it's such a not Craig McCracken <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> like I, I got, I think I, we, I think we've gotten a like a skewed perception on like his personality mm-hmm. based on what actually made it to production. But <laughs> right, he apparently works a little more blue. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, and he also got help directing it with Gendy Tartakovsky and. It, There's clear design shows. influences in design and, you know, sound effects. And, yeah, the, and all the, that. the same, you know, uh, cinematic influence and uh, uh, experimentation with forms that we saw in Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack are here as well. And that's that is interesting, I guess, because it's sort of a melding of those two two th- those two titles. Like for Dexter's Lab, it kind of grabs all the most of the comedy from it, although there was some overlap in comedy with Samurai Jack, all the action is straight up Samurai Jack. <laughs> it's straight like, down to it's... the fact that they're using the same sound clip over and over again. To great effect, but it's the same sound clip. It is. And they do the thing in Samurai Jack wherein you have kind of a montage of a bunch of punches and then a aftershot mm-hmm. of the enemy flying away. Yes. Um exactly the same thing as jack doing a bunch of sword slashes just input uh, substitute a different sound punch for sword sound effect and it's the same scene yeah (laughs) more or less and where samurai jack was clearly influenced by you know samurai movies and uh dexter's lab by you know b-movie sci-fi uh the powerpuff girls are kind of in that classic like superhero comic like very much derivative of the uh you know super friends uh, kind of aesthetic. absolutely um and yeah, we get a lot of that whole justice friends dial m for monkey all those different dexter's lab things <laughs> canonically the same uh, universe yeah <laughs> um yeah uh there was an anime adaptation of this actually in 2006 this was powerpuff girls z which uh, mm-hmm. if you go and watch it it feels somewhere between uh mega man the super fighting robot it's exactly mega man and a four mega kids man dub. plus sailor moon yeah a little bit of sailor moon in there they're, they're all you know there's the transformation sequence it's oof, it's not good um oh well i mean it's i i kind of liked the anime adaptation but just because it kind of followed the same metric of you know the original powerpuff girls kind of harkened back to an earlier era mm-hmm like you know the is is a little bit 50s it's a little bit uh as you said like kind of golden age Age comics yeah yeah something something like that um so it's kind of working backward in time and i think that works with the aesthetic for the anime adaptation the idea that we're going back into like speed racer style (laughs) or mega man you know super fighting robot 80s anime Mm -hmm. i thought was it, maybe I could not watch several episodes of it, but I appreciated like the consistency of sure. turning the clock back. Yeah. Um, it also got a 2016 reboot. Um, McCracken couldn't be a part of this, and the original voice actors were not used. Um, the show is pretty similar, but like it has because it's not the same voice actors, it's worse voice acting because the originals did it really well. And it also doesn't have the same comedic timing, and I think those two elements are kind of load-bearing for this show. Yeah, this, there's a lot of charm in this show that is maybe difficult to quantify. Sure. But it was certainly captured in the original and not at all captured in the reboot. There is hope on the horizon uh, <laughs> because there was announced a live-action reboot in 2020. I, th- I think it's still on the rails to be made. Ben, tell um, me, how do, how do live-action adaptations of cartoons and anime typically do? Uh, they're they're typically good, right? Genre defining. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, the, I'm okay. So there's there's one <laughs> there's a big red flag on this show, which is that there was a leaked script. I don't oh, no. know if you looked into this. I, at I all. didn't see this. It is horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, the leak leak script is all sorts of awful. It has it like showed like really backwards references to like culture war shit from the 2010s, like Ooh. everyone talking about being triggered, and uh, apparently there's just like a lot of sexualizing these characters. Uh, constantly walking in on each other, having sex, uh, n- name brand, like name dropping social media brands like Facebook and LinkedIn. Did did Adam Sandler write this pile for, <laughs> for chance? <laughs> I, I read a um, I, I read a I, I read an article on it, and uh, something that I agree with, with, with whoever uh, wrote the article was there's a real how do you do fellow kids vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My name is Hugh Man. Yeah, right. it, it's very much the same like. 60 year old white guys trying to appeal to 20 year old black guys sentiment that we sometimes see which is the exact and and that is a very rare thing to achieve successfully nickelodeon did it briefly um briefly lightning in a bottle um but the you know the the proud family also hit it proud family was good yeah the 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 thing you're describing of uh you know old people trying to figure out what's hip is is the opposite of how the Powerpuff Girls originally started because it's clearly a passion project by a couple of uh, uh, creators who see eye to eye and have the same vision that became way more successful than any of them predicted. Yeah, they they had no idea that this was going to take off. Um, mm-hmm. I, I read something about Craig McCracken saying he didn't realize that it would end up on so much merchandise. Uh, and, and hang on, I want to get the I want to get the quote because it it's sure. very revealing as to his uh, his his what he is what he what he thinks about. Hang on, I gotta find it. Yeah, I thought the I thought it would get on Cartoon Network and college kids would watch it, and there would be a few random T-shirts out there in the rave scene or in record shops. <laughs> I, I what is this I person? Yeah, I can't form a cohesive idea of who this man is. <laughs> it's just it's kind very of all funny. Over the place. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty happy about uh about that. Yeah, but yeah, um, it it did take off. There is something here that was. I mean, it it did have a lot of writing talent behind it. Sure. So even though it looks very cheap on the surface, like everything's constructed pretty well, um. I don't know. Let's let's. Do you yeah, have anything I mean, else for for um in the overall production? No. Production? Um, nope. Nope. Uh, just that this was kind of one of the flagpole uh, cartoon series of Cartoon Network. I would say. I think that it had the highest rated premiere of anything on Cartoon Network to mm-hmm. to date. Uh, yep. Not today's date, but at the time, it was it was the highest premiere, and it like consistently got very high ratings. So. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes yeah. sense, right? You look at the other stuff in Cartoon Network and even its cohorts like Dexter's Lab, there is enough friction there in terms of people's enjoyment, right? Like, why am I watching this nerdy, asthmatic, you know, toil in his lab for 10 minutes before a, a robot volleyball scene? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, th- this is very easy to understand the appeal of. And it's, uh, it's it, pretty it goes surface. down smoothly. It's it, pretty it, surface, and that's, it that is to itself its... up to you um, very nicely. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty surface, and that is to its benefit. Um, this is kind mm-hmm. of definitional aim low and hit it. Yeah. Uh, but in kind of a Mob Psycho 100 kind of way, it the fact that everything looks so cheap probably freed up a lot of hands to, you know, work on other parts of it or, you know, yeah, um, we'll, keep we say- the curve. When we say cheap, like the character models are very straightforward, very These are geometric. Such bu- Butch Hartman designs, <laughs> it's, it's like so action, clearly taking the a action lot. Action from... scenes, uh, a lot of times are just still frame, like comic book Batman pow whack. Like it's the panels. same thing in Samurai Jack. You know, mm-hmm. we I think we talked about it at the time. The action scenes in Samurai Jack are not really a lot to write home about. Right, but the overall aesthetic was distinct. This feels like it could have come out of Hanna Barbera, but just didn't like it's yeah. it's cleaner than south park but not a lot more effort in terms of the and, construction yeah and i i think that kids have um a, a an appreciation for old-timey cartoon aesthetic or comic aesthetic even if sure. they don't really want to go like crimson chin in fairly odd parents is an object of wonder to everyone <laughs> there you know right so yeah that yeah. It, it all it all kind of works so the, um, there the is also conce- oh, one, one more thing I forgot to mention, another spinoff. You you had mentioned to me the webcomic. Oh, yes. Powerpuff Girls Dojinshi, created by Bleedman in the early 2000s. Still going, kind of? Yeah, little... like every month or so they get a new one, and it no yeah. longer has Powerpuff Girls from the looks of it. It uh, I, I didn't really like how it evolved, but the early stuff was is, is pretty engaging. It's just sort of a mashup of all the cartoons that he liked. Yeah, if you just like want to look at sexy Dexter for a while, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a good place for it. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's like those uh, cartoon cartoon bumpers, but uh, with a little bit more plot stringing it together. I'll be honest, I, I I I have nothing but like gratitude and um, awe for people who can devote that much of themselves to fanfic like no no yeah. judgment at all like it it doesn't matter how sexual or anything it gets like just the fact that these properties touched you so strongly that you were like i'm not done with them i right. i want to continue having a relationship to these objects of my childhood as i develop and this is the way that it, i think that's so fucking cool yeah, here here is a way for me to practice my craft using, you know, supports and structure of things I'm familiar with and allow an entrance for an, an audience. Uh, and, I, and, also kind of audience <clears throat> and also the audience has the background. You don't have to explain mm-hmm. Dexter. He comes pre-explained. Right. I think I read somewhere that the longest work of fiction in the English language is like a, a, a fanfic of super smash bros brawl or something like that That's with some ridiculous. ocs thrown in <laughs> i like that uh I, I need to check that and see if that is true we there's um, some real brain geniuses out there not like in terms <laughs> of actual like narrative excellence or writing chops but just mm-hmm. like the will is there the, yeah. the will is always more important than the talent the talent you can cultivate but there is so much will out there to do things with these other properties mm-hmm. and it just needs to be we're starting to get it utilized because of how the internet work but like i don't know man uh if i if if, if i had like an experimental budget for making cartoons and stuff i would like legitimately just like fanfics unite uh everyone gather around do some <laughs> shit and we'll 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 see what happens in the wash just put your a, heads together and be really into this a fan fiction 
grant proposal is an interesting thought. Yeah. Where, like, <laughs> I, mean, I know I, I want... half. I was sort of half serious about it, but I think it's got legs. It, it, yeah, it's it's the um, it's oh god, it's the commissioned furry porn, uh, version of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. story. I just want more stories. Yeah, of I'll, these characters I'll take doing any what, stuff. whatever Zim gets up to in his free in his spare time. Mm-hmm. It, hey, you had two choices. It was don't cancel Invader Zim, or let me draw him in a bear suit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, what would, what would Jonan Vasquez want? <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the conceit of the Powerpuff Girls is that uh, Professor Utonium Great uh, was, was trying to make uh, the perfect little girl, and he spilled some magic science in it. Hold up. Re- rewind the clock. Mm. Trying to create the perfect little girl. What's the, what's the context here? Yeah. Is he just like a lonely divorcee <laughs> i'm just trying to figure out the, the nuts and there, bolts there's, of this dude <laughs> there's there's a couple of episodes that we can pull from specifically sure. uh to get into uh, actually there are some specific things that we need to dive into kind of for every character that yeah. <laughs> where there's just a lot of questions raised i don't know yeah. how much we'll actually have to say about the show itself so much Probably as not a lot there's a lot going on in my head canon <laughs> Feel free to feel free to continue. I'm sorry I interrupted. Oh, no, no. Um, what what happened was there was an episode where the Mojo Jojo went back in time to prevent Professor Utonium from becoming a scientist, only to accidentally put forward in motion. Uh, Utonium saw the Powerpuff Girls in a haze and was like, "I need to invent that." The fuck? Yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> they got kind of weird. They kind of lost the trail after a few seasons. I don't know about that one. Um, but yeah, so he was trying to make the perfect little girl. Um. And uh, we get these Powerpuff Girls who uh, have superpowers, your standard Superman crap. Plus, I think they each get kind of like a specialty. Yeah, um, they did. Yeah. And so the episodes are typically Monster of the Week. We have a few recurring villains who provide a lot of the, um, you know, more emotional side of things. Um, but usually there is normal girl problem, but we're, we have superpowers. There is specific villain causing specific problem or giant monster unusual wrinkle yeah and, and that's really it, it's a shallow show there's not a lot more to it than that and i was trying to figure out what exactly the show is delivering that makes it so imbibable mm-hmm. and i think it's all in tone like everything is treated pretty kid gloves on sure so so even if there's action and there's blood you never worry that things are bad because there's always a fucking happy-go-lucky narrator telling you that things are. Oh no! What will they do? God, I love the narrator. He's we having will the talk best about time. It. But like the the tone of it is just is very like. It's just it's just a big bag of popcorn. Like it's it, you I, like like you said it just goes down easy. I think that's part of the appeal because you don't necessarily know what you're gonna get next, right? The 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 solution to the problem of a given episode could just be they get over their mental hurdles and just punch enough it could be something you know more cerebral it could be talking to the villain um but they kind of keep you guessing like it it the show isn't tethered to any specific you know a uh, 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 level of seriousness where they can't pull the rug out from under you two minutes before the end yeah and that's that's a strength of that low tech low like amateurish design 
mm-hmm. kind of philosophy. A show that looked more competent and like better put together and um, more textured with more well fleshed out characters couldn't really do beach bottle episodes sure. with that kind of regularity. Because mm-hmm. everything is so plastic, it very much is, well, we've got all these action figures already out. What what else do we want to make them do? <laughs> and they yeah. they really can kind of do what like remember when Mojo Jojo uh and uh, formed a formed a a, a rock band yeah oh man where, where there's just the beatles and they just constantly do beatles references just, and that's the whole episode that's kind of it <laughs> yeah remember that kid who ate glue and like <laughs> yes we learned how to apologize and why it's not fun to pick on people but like but also that kid was eating glue but all, yeah it's and like it, a very so unwelcome a metaphor for drug shattering problem they had a lot of drug uh, uh allegory episodes <laughs> There's some mild racism with the great gang green gang that I'm not super comfortable with. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to parse that. <laughs> I love the gang green gang. Of course you do. <laughs> They're all Kuwabaras. <laughs> well, you don't have to say it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of like the fact that you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, there are always these great villains who you never know which one's going to show up. They're all entertaining to watch. I, Sometimes I don't, they team up or conflict I don't 100%, in interesting ways. I don't have like, 100% agree with the villains all being interesting. Uh, I think a lot of them are. Like in, in the one where they form the super group, okay, they all decide to attack the Powerpuff Girls at night at once uh, independently. You're not expecting them to form a band out of it necessarily, right? Or like... Um, you know, uh, uh, Mojo Jojo creates the rowdy rough boys as, like, evil uh, foils. You don't expect him to become a surrogate father Oh, to yeah. That's <laughs> and so protect cute. them with his weird curse magic. That is so cute. <laughs> or, like, Gang Green Gang. They're doing a bunch of heists. You don't realize that Sedusa is pulling their strings. So, like, the, the way that they develop and uh, uh, include... They leave the room to add in new wrinkles to things. You never really know where things are going to go. And I think that's kind of what kept me watching. Because I didn't even remember how a lot of this stuff ended. Yeah, I, I think it it does more—the more I think about it, the more it does kind of remind me of, like, kids playing with action figures. Mm-hmm. Like, action figures with, like, detachable costumes. Like, where right. they—just do whatever you want with all these fun shapes. This this show operates mostly on fun shapes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to say, yeah, and we'll we'll have some notes about that in the animation. Fun fun shapes and solid voice acting. The the voice acting and the comedic timing, I think, are real uh, uh, important points that the show stands on. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. But let's yeah. let's talk about the characters, shall we? Sure. So the the Powerpuff Girls, you know, they're kind of like the ducks from Ducktales. Like, there's not a a ton distinguishing them on a functional role like they have personalities but they have the more the personalities day, they, than the ducks they, from ducktales yeah yeah they, they have more personality but in terms they're of more like, they're more chipmunks than ducktail ducks yeah yeah that's 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 right um but there's you know on a functional role these are your superheroes they are tasked with solving a problem you don't need to motivate them you don't need to wonder if they're strong enough it's all like can they tackle the conceit of the episode yeah, there's there's never any like two hundred level. What does me being a hero mean? Kind of shit. It, mm-hmm. They're they're in kindergarten. They want to be heroes <laughs> because heroes are good guys, and good guys are nice. Like it, it's all very like if then kind of methodology, and it's just how do we get it done? 
it's a very it's a very black and white world that they live in and i I, i'm fascinated by the episodes where they try to you know twist that around where it's like okay yeah you stop the criminals by destroying the bridge the criminals had four hundred dollars the bridge cost three million you're just kind of not ready for this level of moral grayness yeah (laughs) as it turns out uh background checks for super weapons is kind of necessary Mm. yo thanks iron man just I would, listen. <laughs> the safest hands are still our own. What can I say? Um, yeah. Um, the character, the the Powerpuff Girls themselves. We have Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. Yeah. Um, uh, Blossom is Kathy Cavadini, whom we saw as Tanya Mouskowitz. Oh, very nice. And then uh, Bubbles is Tara Strong. She's everywhere, of course. Uh, Doing Timmy a Turner. very Tara Strong performance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ben Ten. You got your Twilight Sparkle. Uh, and Buttercup mm-hmm. is E.G. Daly, who voices Tommy Pickles and Rudy Tabuti. It's it's very Tommy Pickles. It, mm-hmm. It's like one-to-one. Um, but that's not a bad thing. It works for the role. Yeah, and, and I like that we have that balanced archetype and uh, specialty of them. Yeah, it's it's balanced. I, I never quite got over the fact that Bubbles' voice was as shrill as, as it was. Yeah, I remembered it different. I, I remember it being less grating. It's pretty grating. It's mm-hmm. it's sort of the Gurr effect, I think. Like oh, yeah. I'm just I'm not there for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Buttercup but is with... personality wise pretty annoying. I'm I'm mostly here for Blossom. I'm I'm mostly here for Blossom as well. Blossom and <laughs> Professor Utonium, uh, yeah. chiefly. Uh, their proportions are horrifying. Uh, yeah. These are <laughs> these, these, these are these are problematic super weapon golems. Uh, and that it's interesting not be able to stand up. Yeah, well, they wanted to make them uh, simple to make them easier to draw, and like you say, it is it is horrifying both in the inspiration and the um, effect. So the implication. So the the girls' look was inspired by the work of artist Margaret Keane, um, who is the namesake of their teacher, Mrs. Keane oh. or Miss Keane. Um, and Margaret Keene used very large and prominent eyeballs in her work. If you look up any of her work, it's impossibly cursed by modern standards. Uh, maybe it looked cute at the time. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little little bit Furby. But, like, other characters are human. Uh, they have hands. The girls have, like, pseudopods. They got nubs. Yeah, they're nubbin'. Yeah. Um, there, there's a... <laughs> There's an episode where they switch bodies, and uh, Buttercup is in the professor's body, and she goes to pick up the phone, and you see her, like, using his hand to karate chop it, because her <laughs> hand so normally just, just sticks to it, I guess. Brilliant joke. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's extremely good. Uh, yeah, and they, they have sort of DD proportions as well, mm. especially Bubbles is almost like a one-to-one DD. Yeah, sub her right in. Like the the little uh like little like pigtail not quite pigtail pigtail things on her head yeah uh, that's kind of the same the gigantic Ponytails. blue eyes the uh, extremely sleek tall body and then uh, these like cute little ballet shoes that they have on the bottom they they almost look like a like a lengthened Kirby they they look like Cabbage Patch Kids mm, yeah like, like except all, for the like eyes which are gigantic ball. like they right. look like insectoid cabbage patch kids mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, with the like Cabbage Patch hive mind. pupil and huger iris and huger sclera around it. <laughs> Boy, I could not, I cannot handle it whenever they close their eyes. Imagine if a person was a light bulb. It, they, they're either wearing a lot of eye shadow and you can see all of it where the eyes were. And mm-hmm. reminding you, the eyes are the size of their whole face. So the so eyelashes means, are extending past the head. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's either they, when they close their eyes, it either just like look, they look like a volleyball that Tom Hanks just like did one of those like poof, those um <laughs> big powder like powder my nose kind of powder puff things and just uh-huh. like smacked it a couple of times with that. I'm sorry, Tom Hanks did this specifically? I said volleyball and that was kind <laughs> okay. of just how it got how it got there. Yeah, this could be anyone with a volleyball. Noted power puff enthusiast Tom Hanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so it's one of those things in the show that's best not to think about. Um, Luckily, everything kind of looks alien to some degree. So if you're yeah. watching the whole thing and not merely the girls, which you are, you do it. It it fades into the background a bit. Yeah, so like you know, you have you have your monkey villain Mojo Jojo. His brain is just extending up, just just fucking exposed. Yeah, uh, uh, Miss Bellum. If you look at shots where the camera goes up a little higher, you'll notice that her hair is attached to the back of her neck, and her neck is impossibly long to keep her head out of the frame, but you can still see the top of her hairline. Wow, you you, you really did a lot of uh, fucking game theory on that. It's it's just, there's it's, it's hard not to notice the things that shouldn't be in this show that is presumably aimed very young. <laughs> I just watched all of gravity falls again and mm. uh, i was paying it a lot of attention to like character proportions and it's even kinder than here because the eyes at least fit on the face mm-hmm. but like because all the bullshit is is omnipresent you do forgive the somewhat apish proportions of a stanford pines sure you know um yeah he's he's been demented by the gravity rays or something close enough <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, but that yeah. that that's their character models. As far as their personalities, it's kind of. It's one. I, note. I think they each have like a chief ingredient associated with them. Um, Bubbles is sugar. Buttercup mm. is spice. Blossom is everything nice. I think that that's that that's cute and simple. They have yeah. a dynamic that is pretty easy. To, like if you wanted to to ask me, hey, what's an episode wherein Bubbles has character development? Oh well. The other girls are making fun of her because she's 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 too sweet, she's too yeah. nice, uh, or you know, everyone's mad at Buttercup for not keeping her mouth shut. Like probably five or so, six episodes happened on that exact subject. Like it's it's yeah, very easy to read. They're they're not complex uh, as a if you look at the three girls as one entity, it's interesting. But in isolation, it's just very like oh any problem is going to be met by bubbles with fear or you know empathy that's yeah. as far as you're getting a fluttershy yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so we are not our regular formula for really thinking about the motivations of the characters does not work for these this is all aesthetic and presentation and these characters need to be this shallow in order for the aesthetic and presentation to really yeah to, to really sing we don't we don't need to motivate them right we don't need to to give them a reason to come back and be heroes week after week right it, that's just, just do that's it. just who they are if that uh-huh. uh i do find their sibling rivalry very cute mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's just because in the awkward 
horrifying proportions that they have after a while i my brain could not could not justify them as anything other than well i better believe that they're cute so i don't believe that they're gonna eat my brain (laughs) no i i think that they're you know cute enough um their their bed set is color coordinated in thirds it's so yeah they they color coordinate a lot of the show It's, it's i i saw i saw a um an image of the live action with like a couple of the uh, oh, the God. people in the Powerpuff Girl dresses doesn't look bad. Like it, <laughs> like it, it reads reasonably, surprisingly reasonably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the I, I'm more or less fine moving on from them. Yeah, let's let's talk about one of our favorite characters, probably Professor Utonium. Yeah, so this is uh, you know this is a cartoon scientist, so he's every kind of scientist. He's a very fun shape. <laughs> yeah, everybody else in the show is is rounder. He's just squares. <laughs> He's all angles. One time he gets turned into a dog and he just gets turned into like an entirely pixelated like little pooch. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very cute. Uh, he, um, he reminds me a lot of Tad Strange. Again, just because I watched <laughs> Gravity Falls. Um, he's, voiced he's monochromatic by... as well. Mm. He's voiced by Tom Kane. This was Darwin from the Wild Thornberries and Lord Monkey Fist. Oh yeah, there's that monkey yeah. boy. So uh, the the professor, um, you know, he's he's our Mister Exposition. He's kind of explaining the science behind a science problem or the you know risks to the girls that they wouldn't necessarily understand because they're because they're too young. Right. Um, I don't want to call him a voice of reason because he's very like naive and he's easily passive. taken advantage of. <laughs> He's yeah. passive. He doesn't do a shit. He, he just <laughs> he's there for the Powerpuff Girls not to have to come home to an empty house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's his when, function. <laughs> when um when uh, uh, Mojo Jojo tricks him into opening up a time portal, he's he's like asking like, so theoretically you could open this to any time and place, right? So you could open it, uh, you know, when you got inspired to become a scientist. Can you just keep it open for a minute? Yeah, that'd be great. And he jumps in. The professor's like, well, that's not good. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably fine. He's just like a very, he's just a big gullible goober. Uh, well, he has to be, right? He has to keep things mundane because the girls are off, you know, risking their lives. And he still has to pretend like bedtime is a concept that merits, you know, attention. Yeah, I, I really like that, though. Like, I like <laughs> that his dreams are so small, considering that he created superpowers. Yep. And didn't try again. And shouldn't try again. <laughs> no, no. Once we'll, you, you got it in one, Professor. Yeah. Um, he also has the, this cute character tick. I wouldn't call it a verbal tick because it's just him holding a pipe almost all the time. Yes. I don't think he ever smokes it. I think he just likes holding it. No, you can't smoke it on cartoon TV. Yeah, that's true. Bubbles could come out. Yeah. Um, he is going to be voiced by Turk from Scrubs in the live action. <laughs> And I cannot no. wait for that to happen. <laughs> That's absurd. No, it'll be great. You don't know. <laughs> uh, but we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other major characters, aside from the villains, uh, probably the mayor is, is a main one. Uh, and the uh, narrator. Uh, uh, These are vo- both voiced by Tom Kenny. Narrator is worth talking about. Mayor yeah, is the, just the a way just to move the plot. Yeah. This is probably the best narrator in any cartoon I've seen. He's amazing. And it's it's not just the delivery, it's that inability to anticipate, right? He starts every episode, the city of Townsville, and it could just be that. 
but it could also be at night or is under attack like and and at the end of the episode he's like and the day is saved by the powerpuff girls but sometimes it's not sometimes it's something else and he mixes it up it's 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 just enough to be tantalizing i'm hanging on his every word yeah it's it's great this is such a good framing device it's sort of like the you know the omniscient narrator is useful to move the plot this is mm-hmm. a this is a personal narrator. This is a personal Jesus. Like, he cares about when you, when you pray to him, you know? Yeah. He, he's invested in the story. He is the one reading the comic book that is the Powerpuff Girls. Ooh, yeah, I like that. It's like, oh, no, how are the girls going to get out of this one? Uh, or he'll make puns, you know, like, uh, you know, when yeah. Mojo Joe's is turning people into dogs. He's like, what can we do? Can we pray to dog God? Or I don't know what he actually says. It's probably not that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's something like that. Doggone dog it. Doggone no good. Some, 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 it's this this is what chain. the narrator from Sheep in the Big City was supposed to be. Yeah, that was that 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 show was a little too unwieldy for him to really pop. This is hmm. like super familiar storytelling. Like there's no surprises and it's pretty formulaic uh in terms of just like how the episode manages right like sure start somewhere there there's going to be some sort of conflict powerpuff girls are going to be in it there's going to be some ass kicking thin uh because because things are relatively predictable i think that the narrator just being kind of unreliable works Mm -hmm. because the the stakes are low not too worried um it's it's like like um what what's the what's the one in the in, into the woods cabin in the woods what's that yeah, one in, play in, in, into the woods not cabin in the woods well why not because <laughs> <laughs> joss whedon's canceled what do you want from me okay um yes kind of like that where the narrator is a character i mm-hmm. i can't really emphasize enough how important it is that the narrator is tonally invested and i'll tell you why mm-hmm. this setting is bananas it's complete nonsense yeah we're gonna spend a good chunk of the rest of this episode just digging into certain lore nuggets (laughs) maybe you will uh but we hear him describe the scene and it's combined with whatever music is relevant for the situation so city of townsville is under attack and then you know you get those Mm -hmm. big dexter's lab crescendos that we know and love the fact that the narrator is telling us how to feel and the music is telling us how to feel is we don't need any entry into right. where we start the episode. We just yep. start there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I find I found him being grounding uh, very important to my enjoying of this. Yeah, I like the idea that he is, you know, reading the comic book or like a, a radio announcer almost. Like if we can't see what's happening he is providing uh, the context and the emotional clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it just I, seems I, I like he's having a good time. It does. Like you could have <laughs> just done it as the omniscient narrator, like little corner panels, being like, uh, "This is what happened in last issue." Blah blah blah. Like just telling you the nuts and bolts of it. For him to be invested in it is so much better. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of another example where the narrator is this invested in the story but it really transmits a sense of uh like it's 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 infectious yeah and and like you say he feels like he's part of 
the story itself because you know he's acting like he's part of the world when the world gets turned into dogs he pretends to be a dog when the world goes forward 50 years in the dark future episode for some reason he's acting like an old man <laughs> yeah he's 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 into it he's into the um the artificial nature of the entire performance theater that is the powerpuff girls he's making it okay for us as the audience to behave like children would He's good in our enjoyment of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And like, given that a lot of the, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of a, uh, like the fandom, as I understand it, was not purely like seven-year-old girls. They wanted kids to watch it in college. That seems an unreasonable expectation to me, <laughs> Craig McCracken, person who is unstuck in time and space. But I, I will confess that I watched this for a while growing up, yeah. and I enjoyed it. Like, yeah. it's, it's... I forgot where my point was. It, it it's engaging for a variety of people there's, because it there, puts forward, where I was it puts forward the work to draw you in. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like it, the, if, the narrator if, gives you the permission structure gives you the permission structure to be like, yeah, I do care about this. I do find if, this entertaining. If there is like a sidewalk show, right, like a like a performance artist or something, and you got the guy in front like bringing people in, like drawing a crowd and all oh, that the stuff. Yeah, a barker. A good enough one is going to make you stop and look, even if you don't otherwise care, right? That's what this guy's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's 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 really as simple as I don't know. It's it's probably no more complicated than when someone seems into something, it is easier for you to be into it, unless mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know, a dick. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just sort of it's setting great. the default as we're leaning into this. That's a good right? Let's put away our cynicism. Yeah, I, I like um, it quite a bit. Um, let's let's hit up this rogues gallery real quick. Sure. I only have kind of a couple <laughs> notes because there's are... like two big like stars of the rogues gallery and then just a lot of numb nuts. Well, what, what are your faves? I'm happy to see most of them. My favorite numb nuts? Yeah, yeah get, first... Put down a layer of numb nuts if you All would right. be so we got, kind. We got, we got Princess. Yep, she's fine. She's she's a rich she's, girl. She's, she's Pacific the, she's the Northwest. She's specifically the rich girl from uh, Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, um, the uh, only evil child. What was her name? Veruca. Ver- Veruca Salt. I thought yeah, Salt. Right, big Salt. So there's that. There was Fuzzy Lumpkins, the hillbilly. Hillbillies sure. are funny. Very, very nun humor on that one. Uh, yep, <laughs> it was the style at the time. Banjo yeah. music in the background and everything. Turns people into meat. Whatever. Yeah, fine. Um, the gang green gang is is problematic. That's a gang. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just it's just creepy teens. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> teens are creepy, you guys. <laughs> teens are not to be trusted. No. Uh, there was. The Amoeba Gang? Is that one of them? Yeah, the Amoeba Boys. They're just Amoebas. They don't really do a lot. They don't get no respect. Um, Nothing else. I don't remember yeah. any of the other one-offs. Yeah, the, the the big ones, though. The big couple. The first of the big couple is uh, the one you had already mentioned, Mojo Jojo. Yeah, and this, this is sort of... Um, this is your Lex Luthor, right? Um, this is the guy you have a, a um, historic historical connection to right he mm-hmm. professor utonium had a lab monkey spilled some chemical x on him brain grew put a jar on it um and he's just kind of evil for evil's sake he lives in an observatory on top of the active volcano 
uh, in the city of Townsville. I kept on thinking of it as the Warner Brothers water tower. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I know that's not right, but... And um, he his whole thing is, aside from the super science, he has the uh, kind of speed racer style of talking. Oh, he'll it's just so reiterate fun. himself in many ways. It's not only reiterating, it's... It's it's the cadence of the speed racer dialogue. Mm-hmm. We're like they they're talking too fast to keep up with the animation of Japanese voice acting. So they need to put a bunch of similar concepts together. Yeah, it's it so that is probably my favorite joke in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like what even when he's cooking his breakfast, he's like, I require two eggs to make breakfast, but I have but only one egg, which means that I will need to which buy... Which one less than two. Least- and two <laughs> is the necessary number of eggs in order for me to have a complete breakfast. Yeah, it, it just... go to the store. <laughs> like that all the time. It never mm-hmm. stops. It's... It's, it's endearing. It's, it's really yeah, fun. Yeah, it's, it's very cute. Um, it very much makes him seem like a... Cute evil monkey. Like, like a kind of toddler mm-hmm. more than an adult, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the other one, the sort of mixer, Mixius Pitalik villain, is him. Him is the only part of this show that I had to do research for. We, we Well, we got here some kind of effeminate lobster Santa demon. Yeah, there, there's kind of a <laughs> lot going on here. So let's start with the most obvious and work our way backward. All right, this is the devil. It's just, welcome to but the devil. But not the devil you know. No, this isn't, unless... This isn't, Oh. This is kind of like the robot devil or the red guy area in terms of like... <laughs> it's, it's veering into red guy territory. <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, he's he's here for the lols. This is a troll. Yeah, because fun. Uh, yeah, what was the intent here? So let, let's, let's talk about the big elephant in the room first. This is just queer coded front mm-hmm. to back all around like yep. so fucking hard I, we can't yeah. overstate how queer coded this character the, is. this this could you could tell me that this was lifted directly from an iconic drag queen and i could i would have no way to rebut that yeah rule paul is under there <laughs> and and the way that the that this guy just like adjusts his voice to start off in this incredibly high falsetto and then like deep 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 for the evil stuff yeah yeah um, you know, licking the scenery, he's having a great time. But also, yeah. he's wearing this like, you know, parka-ish thing with thigh-high heels. Oh yeah, there's okay. I I have one point of comparison to this dude, and mm. I want to be. Uh, uh, there's two parts I want to talk about. One is villains in general being effeminate and or queer coded. The sure. other bit is the intent behind this and how I don't think that it's as problematic as it probably looks in 2022. Yeah. They, they, they tried their hands at a number of, you know, uh, uh, social issues and it was generally always a failure when they try to do this. Yeah. I, I think at the time that there wasn't trans visibility for that to be an explicit dig. Now, no, this just, was just a character that they came up with. This is just, yeah. At worst it's homophobic. It's gay is scary. Right, I I think they were trying to do more of like an Ursula thing, like the drag queen uh, aspect of it kind of got in. I, I I could see that as well. Um, but yeah, in, in general, there is a lot of queer coding in villains at this time. You know, the Disney Renaissance, all that stuff. Viziers, one and all, yeah. And mm-hmm. they don't make like a bunch of confused about his pronouns kind of jokes. So thankfully, oh, it's him. Are... He puts it right out on Front Street. What, oh what, yeah, where the pronouns are. <laughs> Um, it's played for creepiness instead of comedy. 
hmm. like largely. Like I, I, I don't think that it's funny the fact that he's wearing high heels and has lobster claws. It's it's so that he's other, uh, in yeah. the same way that coding him as neither male or female is a way to communicate other, and that is how coding for a villain can work in that era. The other interpretation, which is no better, is that <laughs> they uh, were mindful of how sinister and villainous they could make a character who is the devil and had to make it as unthreatening-seeming as possible, and the camp gay was the way they decided to go with it. I, I kind of don't buy that. I think that it was just... Um... I think I, I prefer to think of it as being more innocent than it. Like, it's still kind of problematic. Yeah, Craig McCra McCracken yeah. saw a vaudeville show, and, like, this was his favorite character from it, and he just lifted it. It really does feel like <laughs> he didn't really know what fireworks he was playing with here. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, re I prefer to think of him's character as more innocently designed. Yeah, because uh, in a vacuum, what, let, very let's fun to watch. Let's get back. Let's get past the is this problematic sector where I often go. Um, this is very good. Like I, I don't know if coding characters as gay in order to make them villains. Like I'm, I've got complicated thoughts about it. It's fucking effective to do things like this. <laughs> let's look right. at some examples of uh, a couple other villains that both do the octave. Um, the, the the octave switch on the voice in order to say mm -hmm. I am I am a villain because I just watched Gravity Falls. Bill Cipher does this a lot. Mm -hmm. You know he does that, that sort of turn on that. a dime, ready to go from silly to sinister. The cute and colorful voice, and then you bow before me. You know it's mm -hmm. it's all that, um, and it, that that's really disarming. That's good in a villain. You don't know yep. what you're getting, so it's like kind of kind of spooky. The better point of reference that I have is the Gromble. The Gromble, yes. Do you remember his high heels? This is this is the Gromble. This is one half a Gromble, or like a flattened, thinned, half in, as many feet Gromble. Yeah, they text. From All Real Monsters. Yeah, the Gromble from All Real Monsters also kind of had this chewing the scenery sort of voice, mm -hmm. and was very effeminately... Uh, like presented kind of effeminate in his speech and then went to screaming on the turn of a dime. He also right. wore the high heels. He also, I'm pretty sure he had lipstick. I don't think that was more of a Dom thing. I think than Maybe. anything sexual or the, other sexual. The point is it's really good for disarming us because our society is like male, female. These are separate categories. What are you going to do? Um, so it kind of can't help. But when we are disarmed on the gender spectrum, it just turns mm -hmm. out villain. But I like that it's kind of being reclaimed. Like a lot of the fans of Powerpuff Girls have reclaimed him as like a queer icon. Sure. Like yeah, a, I buy that. a major life goals type of icon, <laughs> which uh, yeah. is great. Also, there was apparently a lot of of hope and suggestion and prayer from queer fans of this. That the live action version would be played by Lil Nas X. <laughs> now there's some casting. Watch it. Looking at a side by side of the two of them both doing kind of like a lounge pose is very fun. <laughs> that is excellent. I I cannot wait. Um, yeah, and it's um I, I I also kind of see a little bit of Aku DNA here. Um, just in the more oh, on yeah. the devil side of things, but also the like 
ha-ha to serious uh, uh, maneuver. He does that, I think, more along the axis of everything is for fun, that mm-hmm. uh, Aku tends to do things. But in terms of the the purpose of this character, these are some of the best episodes because they tend to be more cerebral and creepy. Like, he's not, uh, you know, blowing stuff up or knocking over a bank. He is corrupting something. Yeah, and in a show where the villains and the heroes are very predictable, he is not. Yeah, yeah, you're taking something from a different comic and putting it into this lighthearted, you know, Justice League. Like Spawn showed up kind of thing. It's a weird crossover event. It does feel (laughs) like kind of realities are merging. Um, But there is an episode where, like, we start in media res. He's put forward a bunch of riddles that the girls have to solve or else the professor's gonna pay. And at the end of the episode, they had like a bet at his diner about like whether he would have to pay for his meal. His diner? Does he run a diner? In this episode, he did. I I saw uh, in the um, I think in like the uh, there there was apparently like a crossover event with like an MTV show called uh, Two Broke Girls, where Bubbles and Buttercup work for him in a diner. So I'm I'm wondering if. <laughs> I'm wondering how canonical the diner is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'd have to search the background for, for clues. Wonderful ladies' night at that diner, though. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, him, uh, him his is a voice, fascinating character. I also want to just call out the voice modulation. That is excellent audio mixing. Mm-hmm. It, it does that kind of reverb that is slightly too long for your ears to be comfortable to it. It kind of has both the, you know, uh, male and female, like, sounding components to every word, even in either register. But but and, also the time lapse between when he says it and when you stop hearing it is, like, a little yes. uncomfortable. Yeah, like, he reason. still fits in the Powerpuff Girls universe, but he's definitely further on the outside ring than anyone else. This shows the quality and range of the voice actors, because this is the same guy who voices Professor Utonium. And of the setting. Like, yeah. the, the fact that the setting is malleable enough to support a hymn, yeah. that's, that is that is not something that they give in. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it looks, it it's, it's, a, it's a quality of the craft that we're seeing here, that you can have episodes with him and no one asks questions. Yep. That's, that's all being done on the back end. The, the, the setting is such that you can put those things in and it still reads. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of the setting, I wanted to talk about the third type of episode, which is these giant monster, this kind of kaiju uh, oh, scenario. Yeah. We get a little bit of lore in one episode. We find out that these guys are all coming from a place called Monster Island. Wait, really? And yeah, yeah. So, like, <clears throat> in, in the episode, the girls are like, we want to be real superheroes. And they're each reading different comics. So, like, Buttercup oh, is going to be like a that. spore knockoff called Mange. Uh, yeah. And Blossom is, like, inspired by Wonder Woman, and so she's Liberty Bell, and uh, Bubbles is reading an anime about, like, a bunny friend. <laughs> yeah, she's doing some sort of My Little Pony stuff. And the monster at the end, like, gives them a talking to, like, listen, you guys really need to, like, sort this out and just Stay be in your yourselves. lane. Never, never do better. Never, never do change better. who you are. Don't express yourself. <laughs> well, you know, you didn't know that this is how the episode was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but But he basically says, listen, girls. I come from Monster Island, 
And what happens is we, we come to Townsville expecting to fight the Powerpuff Girls. And if we survive, we come back and we're a hero. Oh, and that's I, fucking right. I forgot <laughs> about that. And, he, and I'm just That is such Dexter's lab here. delivery for a monster to do. <laughs> but it just, the meaning of it. The, yeah. The, the, the fact that that feels coherent in this world is just, I don't know what to make of it. Well, because him set the bar. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, so far on the outside is him, and then you got Fuzzy Lumpkins on the inner ring, and, like, anything, that's a wide gulf for a play <laughs> right. school, you know, a, like, little play school action figures to play with. A, a kaiju who cannot be defeated but is asked nicely to leave. That works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Man, I forgot about Monster Island. I can hear it's, it in my head now. So that's the other thing. In the is reboot, they go of... to Monster Island. It's just like, you know, uh, uh, Dark Souls villain after Dark Souls villain. <laughs> so I, I don't know what... Let, let's let's take a breather for a second. Let's take a, a narrator-style forced intermission that we talk about. Um, when we were cutting to the commercial break. I don't know. What are your memories of Powerpuff Girls? Because, like, I remember a lot of the scenes that you're talking about. I didn't watch them this time, mm -hmm. but they definitely stuck with me. Sure. It's it's that um, subversion of it, of expectation. Um, it's uh, where, like, you know, you're watching and the aesthetic is very standard, but the subversion is memorable. Right. And it doesn't happen every time. Right. Sometimes they just beat up the villain and that's it. Um, it's, there is a uh, concept in psychology about, um, like gambling and, uh, random and repeated behaviors mm. where if you give somebody a reward every time or on a fixed interval for something that they do, like every five times you do this, you get that, uh, that is not as addictive or as memorable as sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Um, and I think that is where this show kind of operates, where, yeah, sometimes at the, the day is saved by the Powerpuff Girls. And sometimes it's, the day was not saved. <laughs> yeah, I need to go lie huh. down. <laughs> and you, you remember that because it's unexpected. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember a lot of like weird little scenes that I have very little context for. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, 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 they do stick in my memory. Do you remember the show fondly because i do i think that i generally mm -hmm. regarded it as pretty positive but i don't really remember why i thought that because it, it, it's a rare it, show that i remember fondly and looked back at and was better than i remembered also a show that is this vapid like there's there's so little going on here <laughs> underneath the hood like it's yeah. it's mostly paint you know it's accessible it is accessible and like i just I, in an era wherein character drama does more work for me than any amount of action scenes, I was kind of surprised that this still held up for me. Mm -hmm. And it, maybe that's just the magic of the cartoon medium is that I don't always need the complex stuff when the when when the thing that they're delivering is so reliable and generally fun. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's just joyful. Like it does really feel like a My Little Pony friendship is magic thing with. You know, some of the uh, with some with 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 a couple more edges to it. Yeah, and, and I think the no comedic more timing, less depth, the, far less depth. The the comedic timing adds a lot to this, right? Because you can remember mm -hmm. 
uh, the the broad things of a scene and why you found it entertaining. But the specific, like, you know, you, we've talked about the Roadrunner. We've talked about the coyote falling and, you know, forming a speck and that right amount of time that makes it super funny. Mm-hmm. You can't remember that precisely in your head. Um, so, like, I remember that there was an episode where a guy did like a blue streak thing where he like got a precious diamond and had to hide it real quick, uh, <laughs> put it in a box of cereal and he figured out which one it was. And, uh, you know, professor Utonian bought it. So he has to steal the box of cereal from the girls and we watch a commercial. Chris Tucker? No, that's Martin Lawrence. Uh, I always get those two mixed up. They're bad boys. Or one of them is. One of them is Russia. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think they're both fine gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Um, so he sees the commercial of, Lucky Captain Rabbit King. Uh, silly Lucky Captain Rabbit King. Uh, Lucky Captain Rabbit King nuggets are for the youth. Yeah, this is cl- some very obvious Trix Rabbit knockoff, yeah. And I remember that he dresses up as the Trix Rabbit. I didn't remember the scene where he, as the rabbit, dresses up as Santa to break in <laughs> through the chimney. <laughs> and the specific comedic timing of this that I, I, I kind of just have to go through. I don't know if we'll keep no, this, but I need it. to... I've got a comedic so, timing thing as well, so we'll have a couple points of reference. He, he keeps, like, trying to jump. Like, he's standing on a trash can. He falls into it. He's standing on a bunch. He falls into the trash can. He pogos. He falls into the trash can. He jumps on a trampoline. He goes over the house into a trash can. Finally, fourth he... Town, fourth, fourth time burned down, fell into the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, he just flies a helicopter on top of the house. And he looks in the chimney and a squirrel attacks him. <laughs> he like struggles and falls off. But the camera stay like the frame stays on the top of the house. And a few seconds later, an identical helicopter lands right next to it. Oh, the second helicopter yeah. adjacent to the first one? Yeah, that's yes. a very good joke. And then he gets, uh, you know, he gets stuck in the chimney. The, they have to call the fire department. <laughs> They're like, Santa, why are you doing this? He's like, I'm not Santa. I'm Lucky Captain Rabbit King. <laughs> and then That's... he just breaks down and cries. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> I have kind There's of... no way you can remember all of that. <laughs> no, just... no. The, and like, mm. man, that's such a good delivery for a completely substanceless episode. And that's a that's a high high, but there's something like that in most episodes. There's um there's one moment that I I, I kind of laughed out loud in my reviewing this, which is mm-hmm. uh, the dog uh king the Mojo Jojo um turns people into dogs episode, mm-hmm. where he's going to steal the magical Anubis head from the museum, and he like has all this high tech gadgetry to do a Mission Impossible to like get there. He like clamps the wire the trip wires and then cuts the middle of it and walks through he does like the spray can to see mm-hmm. the infrared li- lights and then he finally like gets out and he goes like snaps his fingers like oh and then he just uses the anubis head to smash some glass to steal some rubies <laughs> as well and just yeah. that like little oh i remember now <laughs> like <laughs> oh i, I forgot to things. get eggs yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a funny like little articulation yeah um, and there, you know, part of this is, you know, you're not, we're not watching through the whole series. We're watching probably episodes that we remember or remember fondly. So there is some bias yeah. there, but we did that for other shows as well. And I think on the whole, this show has like higher highs, but also lower lows than uh, Dexter's Lab. Um, well, there's, there's like not a lot, a lot of, of risk episodes. for things being low. 
lows. Like the 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 episode I remember the worst was the uh, Beatles ref- reference episode, and that's just because I didn't really care for the Beatles. Sure, and and you know we can discuss your moral failings all day. Um, I, there are numerous. Not liking those uh, over those long haired uh, boys from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those uh, those ruffians. Their their which, hair isn't regulation. Which Beatle do you hate the most? Oh gosh, uh, the only there's one two I right is... answers, and which one you pick tells us a lot about you. Uh, the only one I remember, the only one I remember is John Lennon because he came, he he, he was he, he was a character from Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> where he where he was dead, but just decided to stop being dead. I I, <laughs> I think I think was the lore of that episode. Something to that effect. Yeah, but, you know, for every episode that's super memorable and charming and new, there's one where they're fighting fuzzy lumpkins who, you know, oh, I've I've got these exploding pumpkins that I'm going to throw at you. And, like, okay, maybe maybe we need to, like, wear jack-o'-lanterns on our heads to trick you. This is not a real example, but it's about what happens in some of the lesser episodes. They may not always be, like, my favorite resolution, but I always feel like there's a... Um there's a decent resolution to be had. You know, whether or not it's just like a weird mind fuck situation that him puts them through, uh, or whether it's like an interpersonal, like needing to learn a moral about being nice to your sisters kind of thing that gets them through. Like whatever the resolution that they're going for, I always found that they kind of hit it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't feel like I, I wasn't really left hanging for a lot of these. Yeah, the, I mean, it, it's monster of the week kind of cheapens it. I almost think they're they're pretty straightforward, good versus evil stories for the most part. There is some like, is it better to be good or better to be legal stuff going on there? No, no, no. Like, I'm not talking about the 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 subtlety of that. I'm talking about the actual storytelling. Mm. Like, I I hate to break your heart here, but it does it better than Power Rangers, which very frequently is kind of veering into that we're just gonna fight the bad monster and we don't know how to beat him Mm -hmm. and we'll just like find out his weakness and then use it kind of kind of way to do things sure this this doesn't do that at least i didn't see it a lot of the time there was always they were always trying to do something it it wasn't always something that i loved but it wasn't as vapid as monster of the week leads you leads you to believe sure like they have to uh, fight a mime. He was a clown. Uh, now he's a mime. He, he lost all his color in a bleach accident, and it had turned him evil. And that is straight up ripped from Dexter's lab. The mime <laughs> versus clown. Uh, there is a lot of DNA here. Yeah. Um, and he drains color from the town and also drains sound. Wait, wait, I have to ask. I know you're trying to get through a thing. Does Professor Utonium get hit with the monochromatic ray? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, that would have been so easy. <laughs> it's <a> missed opportunity. <laughs> um, but the way that they defeat him in the end is Bubbles, you know, starts a band and the power of music brings color back to the world. Uh, and they, they turn him back into Rainbow the Clown. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's it's not like they're fighting a monster. They're, they're coming up with a thematic solution. And then... It's not exactly good versus evil because they still have to put him in jail because he still broke the law even when he wasn't himself. Um, so, like, it, it's not quite a, like, moral. It's not quite a, like, we won, we saved the day. It's kind of weirder than that. 
It's it's just performance. Like there isn't mm-hmm. really a moral for some episodes. Sometimes there is, and it's usually just be nice to your sisters and be nice to everyone kind mm-hmm. of morals. Like they're they're as vapid as the rest of the show. Yeah, be but, good kids. Yeah, just be good. Just drugs are bad. It's, Why is it's, it hard? It's, it's, it's like very simple. They do a but... lot of drugs are bad episodes. They have one where the girls get addicted to candy and they start causing crime so that they can get more candy as rewards. They got the they got glue kid. Where I, I actually thought that that was like a nice metaphor for no he shouldn't be eating glue can we not morally judge his behavior and therefore drive him further into his glue eating habits like there's yeah. a lot uh, there's a lot let, of uh metaphor let he there. who has never eaten glue cast the first stone yeah um there's the episode where mojo jojo in a trench coat um <laughs> hands kids like superpowers in and a they get trench coat to that in a trench that was static shock uh in a yeah, trench coat both. is like the most binary suffix in the english language <laughs> you know like right. if you if you end something with a trench coat it's either a a, a pretty funny joke or a federal crime <laughs> right i i have added some ambiguity or some extreme lack of ambiguity into this sentence it's it's the new in bed uh suffix in uh, fortune cookies yeah oh yeah me me and uh you know me and the guys were gonna go hang down at the pool in a trench coat (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh man i got i gotta go into work on the weekend in a trench coat (laughs) 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 so many questions i think those are both veering toward the uh uh sex monster end of the spectrum (laughs) i was thinking more the three three toddlers in a trench coat trying to get r-rated movie stuff uh, yeah um there are a couple of other load-bearing episodes or weird lorelets i kind of mm. want to touch on hit me with them because i i don't think i have the catalog that you may yeah i, I really the one i want to talk about is their fourth sister oh yeah bertha bunny bunny okay. bunny so the powerpuff girls uh tried to make another powerpuff girl uh, using whatever they had lying around, they they did the substitution thing. Oh, I don't have right. sugar. I'll use salt. Um, they make a monstrosity whom I think is supposed to be a representation of a of, mentally of a impaired person. person. Yeah, the yeah mentally. It is a choice, not one that I know how to interpret. <laughs> it's uh, neurodivergency, like trans people were was not like in the water in those days at least Mm -hmm. in terms of like treating it fairly i'm just trying to figure out what the goal was well i think it's kind of the same metric as coding our creepy villain as gay where Mm. it's just like we kind of couldn't figure out how to make this episode like how to round out this new character this accomplishes the necessary parts of we need to explain why is she such a fuck up why 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 is she making so many mistakes oh let, let's make her mentally handicapped that that seems yeah and, yeah 2022 we have to, obviously because we have to get rid of her at the end of the episode too so we want the audience to you know feel yeah, for get her, kind of a eugenics she's not there anymore there. It's, it's 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 problematic to say the least yes it's not ideal yeah it, it's just a weird this is one of the episodes you got to talk about when you talk about the Powerpuff Girls sure, <laughs> kind of sure. things. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I, I don't really know either. I think it was just 
the bar for entry was low enough to allow for them to kind of be experimental enough to make that kind of flub. And in those days, that kind of flub was not um, cancel worthy. I, I think they try to um, they tried to tackle issues in the reboot as well, though the more recent one, and also were generally regarded as not well handled. But I, I, I read uh, that I didn't see it myself. Yeah, I, I that does not surprise me either. Um, I, I, I'm eager to look at the live action one for a number of reasons, but that leaked script gives me the impression that the people who have control of the Powerpuff Girls are not equipped to use them for good. <laughs> yeah, Craig, Craig McCracken in his interdimensional, you know, void space has a limited insight into the human condition <laughs> yeah he's a little bit of a zuckerberg in that way <laughs> release the mccracken sure uh, uh let's 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 get into a couple of uh animation details that we haven't gotten to yet shall we yeah yeah absolutely uh, i think we've talked mostly about the characters so far. i think we have as well i didn't have anything else to say so the um city of townsville uh, i think is really interesting in its construction because it reminds me of those, like, World of Tomorrow exhibits, like a, oh, like a World's Fair like, kind of deal. It's just, like, sky, skyscrapers of many differing vertical Yeah, kind of it, 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 is a, it is a future that is impossibly clean and bright, but also the idyllic 50s suburbs. Yes, it, it is like that one Fallout 3 section where you have to, where you go into a brain, you get your brain downloaded into a 50s universe controlled by a... Uh, controlled by a malicious ai where can i get that it's fucking rad it's I'd so like good some, please it's so good dude uh, uh, spoilers for fallout 3 if no one wants to hear that dude you, when you get you get downloaded there because the ai knows something that it isn't willing to give you unless you like play its game you sure. get downloaded in as a kid in this idyllic 50s household kind of mm -hmm. uh pleasantville sort of thing and then the ai starts tempting you to do crueler and crueler shit to the townspeople <laughs> and there's a way you're, to get around johnny it. in the cornfield well, he's he's making you johnny you're yeah. the johnny now yeah we're, uh, we're all johnny down here and he, he once you like murder the rest of the town then he gives you the thing that you were looking for it's abominable it's so it, fun it's weird that like m subcontracted his torture oh from uh from, i have uh, no mouth and i must scream yeah, it, it does have a lot of the, but like more childish. Yeah, he's 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 taking the legs off the bug. Indeed. Um, but yeah, so the, the, this is clearly like a an idyllic place where there's not really a lot of big problems, right? Like mm -hmm. these, there, the supervillains are the only problem because crime does not exist, right? This is Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, that, that that is that is a good way to put it. Um, most people that are walking by have that uh, kind of happy townsperson idol animation where they walk with their arms. Yeah, you know exactly. Morning, officer. Morning, Jim. So that also makes it feel very comic book, wherein everything is superheroes and supervillains, and like the the background is just regular people. Like it's, very... uh, it's not just regular people; it's like a world of Jimmy Olsen's. There's a lot, of, yeah. There's a lot of freckling in the population. <laughs> there's some G whiz. There's some G whiz in this potion. Yeah, uh, so some things, some points that help it deliver on this aesthetic. There's nearly no blocky lines except for the characters you're supposed to look at. Look at. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, um, very good foregrounding. 
it's like Ed and Nettie if the colors didn't bleed into each other. Like they're they're still confined to the objects that they're part of. Mm-hmm. There just isn't really an outline to give you a sense of depth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's more of a collage of... approach. Like, the things that you're supposed to be looking at are foregrounded, and that's about it. Yeah, there is no sense of depth, which in any show that wasn't trying to go for the comic book aesthetic, I think I'd have a hard time swallowing. But this one is so clearly going for that that it works. Another mm-hmm. example of this is uh, I saw a scene where they were all sitting in, again, the color coordination game of these sisters is to die for uh they they were all sitting on their own color coordinated beanbag chairs the beanbag chair is literally a single colored blob with no variant or gradation to it and like they make one of them did not even have any like wrinkle lines to show Mm. that they were sitting in them like it like legitimately just like i have drawn a shape that's it there there was there yeah there's that's good and it's not until you pull away the gradation of color and remove all of the lighting effects that you realize just how uncanny that looks. Yeah. Yeah. And how flat everything is and, and how mm-hmm. lifeless because the saturation is so upfront. But again, it, it makes your eyes focus on the things that matter. You're not going to watch all the Jimmy Olsen's in the background. So they might as well not have either depth or outlines. I did notice a couple of times they reused character models. Um, that was interesting. You know, like this guy, this child has the same face as this truck driver, you know, 20 episodes oh, that's later. Fine. <laughs> um, so you can see uh, Fred Flintstone and uh, George Jetson in the background occasionally. Yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're generally not looking at the huddled masses. You're looking at these super powered things just like you would in a comic. Um, well, and they're the ones that have interesting for one thing, interesting Features. physiology, but yeah. also they have outlines and depth of field and all that stuff. This is one of those things how I don't know how it would translate into live action because you can't really have that level of color saturation in a way that that looks organic, and you can't really pull off the tone of this without that. I think there are ways to do it. I think that you could have like an opening scene in a live action being like monochromatic and like put through kind of a grainy filter and then somebody mm-hmm. doing a voiceover of I remember the time that blah 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 and then you <laughs> just you remove those filters and now it's live action like th- sure. there are ways to put artifice back into a live action but I will confess I don't know what they are and it's mm-hmm. probably harder than to just create it whole cloth I came in on that point more aggressively defensive than I needed to. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't I, for some reason I felt like picking a fight with you. I apologize. I didn't feel I didn't feel fought with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's um, there's also like a lot of Gendy Tartakovsky scene craft evident mm. in the action scenes. Sure. Where there's a lot of time that no one talks. You know, we, we talked about like the we, we just pan across a shot to draw in uh, the tension, and, and it happens in the intro as well. No, no, no words in the intro. It's just mm-hmm. down now, 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 and we see all of them, and then all of us, and they run at each other, and you get a bunch of punching. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, kind of like that. We're gonna show fifty sword slashes, and then the reaction to those fifty sword slashes that we got in Samurai Jack. And then on the final punch, we'll see it three times repeated at different levels of impact. Yeah. Or the, the screen will be sliced into three or four segments. 
Um, yeah, like the the guy has a tell, but yeah. if he's the only one doing it and it's really good, I don't have a problem with that. I'm I'm just kind of impressed that the same tool set works for samurai and superhero. Yeah, and scientist, like because because they're different. They're entirely different aesthetics. They they use a lot of the same technology, I guess, or or, or the feel of it is kind of similar. Sure, but it didn't look as plastic play school Fisher Price in Samurai Jack. You know, yeah, there was depth yeah. of field and like texture to the characters. Maybe not that much, but in Samurai Jack, that I I do not feel here. Yeah, it's it's one of those techniques that is uh, aesthetic independent. Like, this is just a way to frame a shot in an interesting way, the same way that you can have a canted angle or a wide shot. Like, this is right. just a tool that just isn't as widely used for whatever reason. Yeah, it, it really does make Tartakovsky feel kind of more like a visionary than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how much he was leading Craig McCracken for some of these shots, but uh, I definitely felt his presence pretty strongly. We get... um. I just had another note written down about it. We get like a close up of Bubbles wiping a drop of blood away from her mouth. <laughs> and that's all we see, which, first of all, that's almost certainly a Samurai Jack thing. Second of all, that mouth is a single line. Yeah. It is a single half circle. The you fact draw that we're doing a close up on that and the face is just mono, it's just like one color and just like a <laughs> little, it's just so funny. <laughs> It's just so, so much weight and importance on this like very basic shape. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like watching Kirby like, yeah, be 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 uh, be the only survivor of uh, that event in uh, Super Smash Bros. Like, oh shit, he's serious. <laughs> he's a he's a real contender. Yeah, the context the context makes this more serious. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's uh, briefly talk about music and sound and then close this out. Yeah, I, I thought the Foley was really good. You know, they don't have a ton of different sound effects, but they use them very well. Like, they always fit. It's more Samurai Jack, in my opinion. Um, they also have the catchy, you know, jingle. They use the dun 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 Like, mm-hmm. they use that all over the place as just kind of a mu- catch-all musical sting. I don't love it. I do like that in the intro they do that same riff with mm. Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup, and it sounds thematically appropriate for each little thing yep yep um another thing that they use in the intro was the amen break um or amen break um the sort of oh that's a good one that is like the most sampled and uncredited uh um like musical segment of all time like the guy really? who invent yeah i think i read that the guy who invented it george coleman um he, like i think they won a grammy for the the song that it was on but like every like you can hear that everywhere um it's like the wilhelm scream of it, like uh it is pump up music yeah and not necessarily because it's a reference or an homage or intentional it just sounds really good like well, there's something about the way it's structured that's just very aesthetically pleasing Sort yeah, of like Cockle Bell's canon, maybe like where just like it happens a lot because I don't. I, I guess I. I, I, I don't, think it's one of those golden ratio things. Yeah, I don't have the music background to really judge that, but I mean, it, it. It from my limited perspective, it works as a 
undercurrent to tell you that this is an action sort of set piece, but we're not quite there yet. We're not it's, quite at the thing where it pops off, but we're getting to it. It's not the like long note triplets of an Avengers movie, like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Like it's not. It's not majestic. It's energetic and it has motion, but it's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, I agree with that. I'm I'm glad to hear that there that I have another. Uh, immortalized sound clip that I can add to the roster. What did you say? Was it a- an Amen the, break? The Amen break. I think like Amen Brother is the name of the song that it comes from. Really? Um, and it's like just the the like uh, drum breakdown in between the sections. Well, either that or a track by Little Nas X is going to be our be- our outro now. <laughs> or or just I'm the King JJ. <laughs> um, gonna take take me down the old town road. JJ's there. Mojo Jojo's there. I don't know how uh, this song goes. I don't know if you'll be able to find a lyricless uh, version <laughs> of I'm the King JJ, but I hope you do. <laughs> One thing that this music is really good at is there's there's kind of two chief modes that this cartoon operates on, and that is action and comedy. Mm-hmm. And the music is energetic for both, and it, uh, it works for both. Mm-hmm. They also do... A technique that I'm a big fan of, which is they cut between two scenes, one of which is action, one of which is comedy, or or at least just nothing, and that creates the comedy, and that is so well emphasized by the change in music when you make that scene transition. Like yes. I remember from the episode that you were talking about, where they where Blossom is doing like a Wonder Woman thing, and monster destroying a town you got those like brah, nah, nah, nah. you got mm-hmm. those like big heavy apocalypse kind of chords happening and then you flip over and blossom is in traffic and there's no music and she's like honking the horn trying to get through it and that just doing the quick cuts back yeah. and forth um shows a lot of intention yeah and it, sh- it shows attention to like classic comedy bits like that specific jump between music and not like that's in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when the dude is oh, running up yeah. at the castle, right? That's in uh, uh, Kung Pao, you know, Enter the Fist. Um, like, it's it's a pretty classic bit. Um, not one that you necessarily would see at the age in which you're watching the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> you know the you know another reference uh, for that, uh, which is which is done in the same scene, and it made me. <laughs> laugh like crazy even though it's so immature is the team america world police throwing up scene <laughs> right where like the music stops when it thinks he's done throwing up and then it starts again when he starts throwing up again and it happens like three times uh, yeah th- this this show is like is just made by professionals who know how to do action and comedy in a somewhat unique style mm-hmm. they knew where to put their effort and that's kind of it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to draw more conclusions, but this show just does not have that much depth, you know? No, it's it's simple, but it has polish, right? All the, A lot of shows you'll get something where, like, oh, man, the music is fantastic, but the action's bad, or, like, the plot is good, but the characters are bad. Here it's all around the same level of moderate to good. just yeah. goes down smooth. Yeah, it's—yeah, I—, I 
I'm, I'm tripping over myself because I'm, I'm caught in that difficult position of wanting to praise this show, but not having a specific thing to point to. Sure. Uh, it is, as you said, it's just, it's pleasant. It's, it's to my mind, never great, but it's also, like, always at least good. I, I always come back to, when I look at the name of an episode, I kind of know what I'm going to get. But I really don't know what I'm going to get in total. Like, there's there's going to be something there that subverts me. Yeah, the, the plots are pretty eclectic, which, mm-hmm. is, uh, re- which is refreshing. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't have a lot else to say about this. Uh, do you have a favorite Powerpuff Girl? Uh, Bunny, uh, <laughs> I guess. Ooh. Uh, I think, I think... Uh, I guess you said Blossom of the three. They, I mean, Bl- Blossom's just the one who's moving the plot along like and anything. interacting with things in a way a normal person would. Can I would. count Professor Utonium? Does he count as one? I think you can. I think He's he got, got his got own inducted. color coordination going on. I think they turned him into, I think they made him Powerpuff. Like, they, he got a power suit at one point. There, the, there was an episode where he gets a power suit and fights crime, and there's an episode where the mayor tries to fight crime, and his method is to just go up in a hot air balloon with, like, a robot claw. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, I love the mayor. In the, uh, in, in like, the 90s gritty reboot X-Men style uh, comic. Mm-hmm. It would be revealed that Professor Utonium also got some chemical X under his fingernails and the latent mutagen in his bloodstream (laughs) finally blossomed Mm -hmm. uh, and he was able to also go at it in uh, In a crime crime fighting. Yeah. 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 I petered out there. I started with a really funny joke and then didn't realize that I I needed to pace it. (laughs) Being very critical. Take some lessons from the show. I'm being very critical about my joke pacing now because I know what it looks like now. Gone are the days where I would just innocently say whatever came out of my mouth and would have been like, yeah, that's gold. No improvement (laughs) needed there. (laughs) I don't think it's gone. (laughs) Perhaps you just need a reboot or an anime adaptation. Oh, or a live action featuring featuring Turk Turkleton. (laughs) Yeah, let's get him on the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm somewhat akin to his Zach What Braff. is he doing these days? All right. Uh, that is going to do it for Powerpuff Girls. Good show. Mm. Very shallow. Hits it. Awesome. Uh, him is the best. <laughs> him is the best and confusing. Yep. Yeah, but th- that's, that's all we got right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want... Oh, uh Zane, ask me what we're doing next time, and then also remind me what we're doing next time, because I forgot. Hey, Ben, are we doing The Critic next time? I think we are, Zane. <laughs> the Critic is what we are doing. Uh, and oh. we will be hopefully joined by a Dan Caves for that. Mm-hmm. And that will be that will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to a show with some probably sardonic humor, is, I'm, is what I'm guessing. I, See, I don't think I've ever actually likely. seen it. Yeah, I think I think you know exactly what it's going to be. Given that uh, Dan Caves likes it, I, I think that we're going to... Mm-hmm. Think that, I think we kind of know what we're getting into. But Zane, after that, what are we what are we doing? Well, Ben, I feel like I've technically uh, been been uh, picking a lot of the episodes, what with all of the movie stuff, and then the critic was to appease our, our grim overlord, Dan Caves. Well, why don't uh, I so, pick one then? Yeah, well, what, what, what do you got? Maybe an anime of some sort? Maybe an anime that we haven't previously discussed off mic what it should be 
Cutting in that. the last five minutes. Cut uh, that. <laughs> let's, let's 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 watch some Trigun. Trigun. Don't Dash know anything about it. Sounds He's, like a dumb name. It's oh, it's yeah. Oh, it's dumber than you think. I think he has a brother named Knives. I don't remember exactly how it is. Well, how like it works. like from Scotty Pilgrim. Like yeah, from Slutty Pilgrim. What did you say? Scott Pilgrim. Oh, okay. I, you cut out there for a second, and I just <laughs> filled it in with whatever I felt like. Um. Yeah, Trigun. I I never honestly I stayed away from Trigun. Um. Just because the name sounded really dumb. Like oh, Trigun. Dude. He's got a gun that's three guns. Oh, not even. So he just has the one gun. As far as I can tell, it's a gun. Uh, it also might be his arm. I don't really remember the... So, little context here. This is the era in which me and my doormates just watched a lot of anime. And uh-huh. one of them happened to like Trigun, and it was good enough for the rest of us that we watched a good amount of it. There you go. It was it was one in a series of failed attempts at watching an anime. Uh, I do not remember a lot of details about it i just remember a strong feeling of yeah i like it right now but i get the feeling i shouldn't i read the first volume of trigun uh it was during that age when you and your nerdy anime friends just trade first volumes of things that you think you might like to each other kind of thing this is stuff about another culture yeah and and so somebody gives me trigun and dot hack and i'm like well this one's clearly more interesting (laughs) i've never heard of an isekai (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man simpler time zane oh yeah oh have we done an isekai uh monster rancher remember <laughs> that he is was transported to a faraway far away planet to a world where monsters rule yeah no i remember now zane we do have to do an isekai at some like a, like a isekai era isekai at some point ben we are in the modern era of isekai i when we do an isekai i want us to find the trashiest, least competently dubbed isekai <laughs> we can. Okay, listener, we are putting out the call. <laughs> Please send to us your recommendation for the dumbest isekai that we can have a good time watching. Yeah, and, and like, it doesn't have to be... Uh, it just needs to not be, like, creepy sex adjacent. Also, and we, everything else not- is fine. <laughs> I would also like to request that it's not sorted out online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that particular uh, that particular neat has been beaten to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a- anything that doesn't have like I'm transported to become a younger version of my mom, <laughs> and we switch bodies, and one of us is also a raccoon fighter. Like anything that isn't like <laughs> that levels of like sexually confusing uh i think we'd be fine with i i need it to be less obviously sexual pandering to the creator than bayonetta like anything below that threshold would be great yeah yeah bayonetta is the cutoff Mm -hmm. Ooh, bayonetta wearing cutoffs i mean (laughs) as long as they're still made out of her own hair i think it still works right sure and Ben, where, where can they send us those horrible recommendations? Oh, God, I would be pleased as punch if they <laughs> go to our Facebook page or our website at fancybat.com slash cartoncast and dropped us a line. You can go to our contact page and send us uh, an email about uh, what you think about Bayonetta and cutoffs <laughs> uh, or trashy isekai that aren't creepy uh, or at least minimally creepy or 
the shows that we discussed. Trigun and The Critic. If you have any uh, suggestions or or uh, things to say about those shows, go ahead and leave uh, a comment. You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out, and it mm-hmm. validates our existence. Yeah. Uh, and more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. Yeah, it would really save the day. I'm the king, Jojo. Where does the name Mojo Jojo come from? I think just Jojo is like kind of a common organ grinder monkey name. Uh, How common could it be? It just sounds like one. <laughs> I'm crazy that I stepped on that landmine pretty aggressively. <laughs> like Gendi, like back in Russia, Gendy was like, oh yeah, there's monkey grinders on all every corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going out of going out of style. It's gangbusters for monkey for organ grinders out here. I don't know. I think a Jojo is like a common pet monkey or monkey showman kind of name. And he's and modulated. Mojo, Jojo yeah. has kind of that uh that uh I used to be a plaything of the the of of Professor Utonium and now I'm my own man kind of arc to him. So it makes sure. sense to me that he'd have a, a a name that sort of harkens back to his origin. Mhm. But now he's got yep. mojo, baby. I've lost my mojo. And he's I've got lost like my this mojo chimp. to that monkey, then, didn't I? Isn't it? <laughs> that monkey has stolen my mojo, and now I no longer have it because he has taken it from me and it is no longer in my possession. <laughs> I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black.